0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at SapphirePlanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now in The Sapphire Planet. The Galileo Affair was a sequence of events beginning around the year 1610, culminating with the trial and condemnation of Galileo Galilei by the Roman Catholic Inquisition In the year 1633, for his support of heliocentrism. In 1610, Galileo published his Starry Messenger, describing the surprising observations that he had made with the new telescope, namely the phases of Venus and the Galilean moons of Jupiter. With these observations, he promoted the heliocentric theory of Nicholas Copernicus, and he published the Revolutionibus Oribum Coelestrum in 1543. Galileo's initial discoveries were met with opposition within the Catholic Church, and in 1616 the Inquisition declared heliocentrism to be formally heretical. Heliocentric books were banned and Galileo was ordered to refrain from holding, teaching, or defending heliocentric ideas. On February 19, 1616, the Inquisition asked a commission of theologians known as qualifiers about the propositions of the heliocentric view of the universe. Historians of the Galileo Affair have offered different accounts of why the matter was referred to the qualifiers at this time. Beretta points out that the Inquisition had taken a deposition from Giazzani Antavanti in November 1615 as part of its investigation to the denunciation of Galileo by Lornini and Cassini. At this deposition, Antivanti confirmed that Galileo had advocated the Copernican doctrine of a stationary sun and a mobile earth, and as a consequence, the tribunal of the Inquisition would have eventually needed to determine the theological status of these doctrines. It is, however, possible, and surmised by the Tuscan ambassador, Pierre Gucardini, in a letter to the Grand Duke, that the actual referral may have been precipitated by Galileo's aggressive campaign to prevent the condemnation of Copernicanism. On February 24th, the qualifiers delivered their unanimous report. The idea that the sun is stationary is foolish and absurd in philosophy, and formerly heretical since it explicitly contradicts in many places the sense of the Holy Scripture. While the earth's movements receives the same judgment in philosophy and in regard to theological truth, it is at least erroneous in faith. At a meeting of the cardinals of the Inquisition the following day, Pope Paul V instructed Bellarmine to deliver the result to Galileo and to order him to abandon the Copernican opinions. Should Galileo resist the decree, stronger action would be taken. On February 26th, Galileo was called to Bellarmine's residence in order to abstain completely from teaching or defending this doctrine and opinion or from discussing it. To abandon completely the opinion that the sun stands still at the center of the world and the earth moves. And henceforth not to hold, teach, or defend in any way whatever, either orally or in writing. This is known as the Inquisition's injunction against Galileo in the year 1616. With no attractive alternatives, Galileo accepted the orders delivered, even sterner than those recommended by the Pope. Galileo met again with Bellarmine, apparently on friendly terms, and on March 11th he met with the Pope, who assured him that he was safe from persecution, so long as he the Pope should live. Nonetheless, Galileo's friends Segredo and Castilli reported that there were rumors that Galileo had been forced to recant and do penance. To protect his good name, Galileo requested a letter from Bellarmine stating the truth about the matter. This letter assumed great importance in the year 1633 as did the question whether Galileo had been ordered not to hold or defend Copernican ideas, which would have allowed their hypothetical treatment, or not to teach them in any way. If the Inquisition had issued the order not to teach heliocentrism at all, it would have been ignoring Bellarmine's position. In the end, Galileo did not persuade the church to stay out of the controversy, but instead he saw heliocentrism formally declared false. It was consequently termed heretical by the qualifiers since it contradicted the literal meaning of the scriptures, though this position was not binding on the church. Following the Inquisition injunction against Galileo, the papal master of the sacred palace ordered that Forscarini's letter to be banned and Copernicus's De Revolutionibus suspended until corrected. The papal congregation of the index preferred a stricter prohibition, and so with the pope's approval on March 5th, the congregation banned all books advocating the Copernican system, which it called the false Pythagorean doctrine, altogether contrary to Holy Scripture. Francesco Ingali, a consulter to the Holy Office, recommended that De revolutionibus by Copernicus be amended rather than banned due to its utility. For Calendarics. In 1680, the congregation of the Index accepted his recommendation and published their decision two years later, allowing the corrected version of Copernicus' book to be used. The uncorrected De Revolution Bus of Copernicus remained on the Index of Banned Books until the year 1758. However, the corrected version was critical in getting the Gregorian calendar just right. Galileo's work advocating Copernicanism were therefore banned, and his sentence prohibited him from teaching, defending, or discussing Copernicanism. In Germany, Kepler's works were also banned by the papal order, In the year 1623, Pope Gregory V died and was succeeded by Pope Urban VIII who showed greater favor to Galileo, particularly after Galileo traveled to Rome to congratulate the new pontiff. Galileo's dialogue concerning the two chief world systems, which was published in 1632 to great popularity was an account of conversations between a Copernican scientist, Salviati, an impartial and witty scholar named Segredo, and a ponderous Aristolian named Simplicico, who employed stock arguments in support of geocentricity and was depicted in the book as being an intellectually inept fool. Simplicico's arguments are systematically refuted and ridiculed by the other two characters with what is known as unassailable proof for the Copernican theory or at the very least the theory of Ptolemy. The Copernican and Tychronic systems were observationally equivalent and the available evidence could be explained equally well by either which reduces Simplicico's to baffled rage and makes the author's position unambiguous although Galileo states in the preference of his book that the character is named after a famous Aristotelian philosopher Simplius in Latin Simplico in Italian the name Simplico in Italian is also the connotation of simpleton It is asserted that Simplico was modeled on philosopher Lodeci del Colombe and Caesar Cremonini. Pope Urban's demand for his own arguments to be included in the book resulted in Galileo putting them in the mouth of Simplico. Some months after the book's publication, Pope Urban VIII banned its sale and had its text submitted for examination by a special commission. With the loss of many of his defenders in Rome, because dialogue concerning two chief world systems, Galileo was ordered to stand trial on suspicion of heresy in the year 1633, for holding as true the false doctrine taught by some that the sun is the center of the world, against the 1616 condemnation, since it was decided at the Holy Congregation on February 25th, 1616, that the Holy Office would give you an injunction to abandon this doctrine and not to teach it to others, not to defend it and not to treat of it, and that if you did not acquiesce in this injunction, you should be imprisoned. Galileo was interrogated while threatened with physical torture. A panel of theologians consisting of Melicor Inchefer, Augustin Areghi, and Zachariah Pasqualigo reported on the dialogues. The opinion was strongly argued in favor of the view that the dialogue taught Copernican theory. Galileo was found guilty, and the sentence of the Inquisition issued on June 22, 1633 was in three essential parts. Part 1 Galileo was found vehemently suspected of heresy, namely, having held opinions that the sun lies motionless, at the center of the universe, and that the earth is not at its center and moves, and that one may hold and defend an opinion as probable after it has been declared contrary to the Holy Scripture. He was required to abjure, curse, and detest those opinions. 2. He was sentenced to formal imprisonment at the pleasure of the Inquisition. On the following day, this was commuted communi- to house arrest, which he remained under for the rest of his life. Item 3. His offending dialogue was banned, and, in an action not announced at the trial, publicity of any of his work was forbidden, including any he might write in the future. According to a popular legend, after his abjuration, Galileo allegedly muttered the rebellious phrase, and yet it moves. But there is no evidence that he actually said this or anything similar. The first account of the legend dates back to a century after his death. epier Su mouve does appear, however, in the painting of the 19, in the 1640s, by the Spanish painter Bart- Bartolome Esteban Murillo, or an artist of his school. The painting depicts an imprisoned Galileo apparently pointing to a copy of the phrase written on the wall of his dungeon. After a period with the friendly Archbishop Pilcamoni in Sierra, Galileo was allowed to return to his villa at Artrici near Florence where he spent the remainder of his life under house arrest. He continued to work on mechanics and in 1638 he published a scientific book in Holland. His standing would remain questioned at every turn. In March 1641, Vincito Ranieri, a follower and pupil of Galileo, wrote him at Assurici that an inquisitor had recently compelled the author of a book in Florence to change the words most distinguished Galileo to Galileo man of noted name. However partially in tribute to Galileo at Arcetri, the first academy devoted the new experimental science the Academy del Cimento was formed which is where Francesco Redi performed controlled experiments and many other important advancements were made which eventually would help usher in the age of the Enlightenment. Despite the fact that the decision of attributing the Pope's words to Simplico was perceived as mockery, some historians suggest that Galileo might not have acted out of malice Scholars argue that during this time, Pope Urban had fallen under the influence of court intrigue and problems of state. His friendship with Galileo began to take second place to his feelings of persecution and fear for his own life. The problem of Galileo was presented to the Pope by court insiders and enemies of Galileo, following claims by a Spanish cardinal that Pope Urban Was a poor defender of the Church. This situation did not bode well for Galileo's defense of his book. In the year 1758, the Catholic Church dropped the general prohibition of books advocating heliocentrism from the Index of Forbidden Books. It did not, however, explicitly rescind the decision issued by the Inquisition in its judgment of 1633 against Galileo, or lift the prohibition of uncensored visions versions of Copernicus's De Revolutionibus or Galileo's Dialogue. The issue finally came into head in the year 1820, when the master of the Sacred Palace the church's, church's chief censor, Filippi Fossi, refused to license a book by a Catholic canon. Giuseppe Settle because it openly treated heliocentrism as a physical fact. Satelli appealed to the Pope Pius VII after the matter had been reconsidered by the Congregation of the Index and the Holy Office. Anaphasi's decision was overturned. Copernicus' De Revolutionibus* and Galileo's dialogue were then subsequently omitted from the next edition of the Index of Forbidden Books when it appeared in the year 1835. In 1992, it was reported in the news that the Catholic Church had turned around towards vindicating Galileo. In fact, none other than Pope John Paul II, on November 4, 1992, said this, Thanks to his intuition as a brilliant physicist and relying on different arguments, Galileo, who practically invented the experimental method, understood why only the sun could function as the center of the world as it was known then, that is to say, as a planetary system. The error of the theologians of the time, when they maintained the centrality of the earth, was to think that our understanding of the physical world structure was in some way imposed by the literal sense of the sacred scripture. Once again, that was Pope John Paul II, November 4th, 1992. And so Galileo is now off the hook. Galileo continued to receive visitors until the year 1642, when after suffering fever and heart palpitations, he died on January 8th 1642 at age 77 The Grand Duke of Tuscany Fernando II wished to bury him in the main body of the Basilica at St. Croix next to the tombs of his father and other ancestors and to erect a marble mausoleum in his honor These plans were dropped however after Pope Urban VIII and his nephew Cardinal Francis Barberini protested because Galileo had been condemned by the Catholic Church for vehement suspicion of heresy. He was instead buried in a small room next to the novices' chapel at the end of the corridor from the southern transept of the basilica to the sacristy He was reburied in the main body of the basilica in the year 1737, after a monument had been erected there in his honor. During this move, three fingers and a tooth were removed from his remains. One of these fingers, the middle finger from Galileo's right hand, is currently on exhibit at the Museo Galileo in Florence, Italy. After Galileo's death, his works went on. Galileo made original contributions to the science of motion through an innovative combination of experiment and mathematics. More typical of science at the time were the qualitative studies on magnetism and electricity by William Gilbert. Galileo's father, Vinzio Galilei, a and music theorist, had performed experiments establishing perhaps the oldest known non-linear relation in physics for a stretched string. The pitch varies as the, as the square root of the tension. These observations lay within the framework of the Pythagorean tradition of music, well known to instrument makers, which included the fact that the subdividing of a string by whole numbers produces harmonious scale. Thus, a limited amount of mathematics had long-related music and physical science, and young Galileo could see his own father's observation expand on that tradition. Galileo was one of the first modern thinkers to clearly state that the laws of nature are mathematical. In the Assayer, he wrote... Philosophy is written in this grand book, The Universe. It is written in the language of mathematics, and its characters are triangles, circles, and other geometric figures. His mathematical analyses are a further development of the tradition employed by late scholastic natural philosophers, which Galileo leaned on when he studied philosophy. His work marked another step toward the eventual separation of science from both philosophy and religion. This was a major development in human thought. He was often willing to change his views in accordance with observation. In order to perform his experiments, Galileo had set up standards of length and time so that measurements made on different days and in different laboratories could be compared in a reproducible fashion. This produced a reliable foundation on which to confirm mathematical laws using inductive reasoning. Galileo showed a modern appreciation for the proper relationship between mathematics, theoretical physics, experimental physics. He understood the parabola both in terms of conic section and in terms of the ordinate Y, varying as the square of the aspisca X. Galilei further asserted that the parabola was the theoretical ideal, trajectory, of a uniformly accelerated projectile in the absence of friction and other disturbances. He conceded that there are limits to the validity of this theory, noting on theoretical grounds that a projectile trajectory of a size comparable to that of Earth could not possibly be a parabola. But he nevertheless maintained for distances up to the range of the artillery of his day. The deviation of a projectile's trajectory from a parabola would only be very slight. Based on only on uncertain descriptions of the first practical telescope, which Hans Lippershey tried to patent in the Netherlands in the year 1608, Galileo in the following year made a telescope with about three times magnification. He later made improved versions with up to about 30 times magnification. With a Galilean telescope, the observer could see magnified upright images on the earth it was what was commonly known as a terrestrial telescope or a spyglass he could also use it to observe the sky for a time he was one of those who could construct a telescope good enough for that purpose on August 25th 1609 he demonstrated one of his early telescopes with a magnification of about eight or nine to Venetian lawmakers His telescopes were also a profitable sideline for Galileo, who sold them to merchants, who found them useful both at sea and as items of trade. He published his initial telescopic astronomical observations in March 1610 in a brief treaty entitled Starry Messenger. Tycho and others had observed the supernova of the year 1572. Otovia's Brenzani's letter of, of January 15, 1605 to Galileo brought the 1572 supernova and the less bright nova of 1601 to Galileo's notice. Galileo observed and discussed Kepler's supernova in 1604. Since these new stars displayed no detectable diurnal parallax, Galileo concluded that they were distant stars and therefore disproved the Aristotelian belief in the immutability of heaven. Jupiter. On January 7, 1610, Galileo observed with his telescope what he described at the time as three fixed stars totally invisible by their smallness all close to Jupiter and lying on a straight line through it. Observations on subsequent nights showed that the positions of these stars relative to Jupiter were changing in a way that would have been inexplicable if they had really been fixed stars. Three days later on January 10th, Galileo noted that one of them had disappeared, an observation which he attributed to it being hidden behind Jupiter. Within a few days, he concluded that they were orbiting Jupiter. He discovered three of Jupiter's four largest satellites, or four largest moons. He discovered the fourth on January 13th, a week later. Galileo named the group of four the Medician stars in honor of his future patron, Cosmo II de' Medici, the Grand Duke of Tuscany, and Cosmo's three brothers. Later astronomers, however, renamed them the Galilean satellites in honor of their discoverer, Galileo. These satellites are now called Io. Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. His observations of the satellites of Jupiter caused a revolution in astronomy. A planet with the smaller planets orbiting it did not conform to the principles of Aristralian cosmology which held that all heavenly bodies should circle around the Earth and many astronomers and philosophers initially refused to believe that Galileo could have discovered such a thing. His observations were confirmed by the observatory of Christopher Clavis, and he received a hero's welcome when he visited Rome in 1611. Galileo continued to observe the satellites over the next 18 months, and by mid-1611, he had obtained remarkable, accurate estimates for their periods, a feat which Kepler himself had believed impossible. Galileo didn't stop with Jupiter. There was Venus, Saturn, and Neptune. From September 1610, Galileo observed that Venus exhibited a full set of phases similar to that of the moon. The heliocentric model of the solar system developed by Nicholas Copernicus predicted that all phases would be visible since the orbit of Venus around the Sun would cause its illuminated hemisphere to face the Earth when it was on opposite side of the Sun and to face away from Earth when it was on the Earth's side of the Sun. On the other hand, in Ptolemy's geocentric model, it was impossible for any of the planet's orbits to intersect the spherical shell carrying the Sun. Traditionally, the orbit of Venus was placed entirely on the near side of the Sun, where it could exhibit only crescent and new phases. It was, however, also possible to place it entirely on the far side of the Sun, where it would exhibit only gibbous and full phases. After Galileo's telescopic observations of the crescent, gibbous, and full phases of Venus, therefore this Ptolemaic model was unattainable. Therefore, in the early 17th century, as a result of his discovery, the great majority of astronomers converted to one of the various geo-heliocentric planetary models, such as the Tychonic, Capellan, and extended Capellan models. Each either with or without a daily rotating Earth. These all had the virtue of explaining the phases of Venus without the vice of refutation and the full heliocentrism's prediction of a stellar parallax. Galileo's discovery of the phases of Venus was thus arguably the most empirical, practically influential contribution. To the two-stage transition from full geocentrism to full heliocentrism via geoheliocentrism. Galileo observed the planet Saturn and at first mistook its rings for planets, thinking it was a three-bodied system. When he observed the planet later, Saturn's rings were directly oriented at Earth causing him to think that two of the bodies had disappeared. The rings appeared when he observed the planet in the year 1616, further confusing him. Galileo also observed the planet Neptune in 1612. It appeared in his notebook as one of the, one of the many unremarkably dim stars. He did not realize that it was a planet, but he did note its motion relative to the stars, before losing track of it. Galileo was one of the first Europeans to have observed sunspots, although Kepler had unwittingly observed one in the year 1607, but mistook it for a transit of Mercury. He also reinterpreted a sunspot observation from the time of Charlemagne, which formerly had been attributed, impossibly, to a transit of Mercury. The very existence of sunspots showed another difficulty with the unchanging perfection of the heavens, as posited in orthodox Aristolian celestial physics. And the annual variations in sunspots motion, discovered by Francesco Sisi and others in the year 1612 through 1613, provided a powerful argument against both the Ptolemaic system and the Gelio helicentric system of Tycho Brahe. A dispute over priority in the discovery of sunspots and their interpretation led Galileo to a long and bitter feud with the Jesuit Christopher Shiner. Only two years after Galileo was publicly honored at the Jesuit Bastion College Romano, the dispute against Schiner in Galileo's Letters on Sunspots in the year 1613 was the first sign of friction between Galileo and the Jesuits. In fact, there is little doubt that both of them were beaten by David Frabiscus and his son Johannes. Schiner quickly adopted Kepler's 1615 proposal of the modern telescope design which gave larger magnification at the cost of an inverted image. Galileo apparently never changed to Kepler's design. Prior to Galileo's construction of his version of a telescope, Thomas Harriot, an English mathematician and explorer, had already used what he dubbed as a perspective tube to observe the moon. Reporting his observations... Harry noted only strange spottedness in the waning of the crust, but was ignorant to the cause. Galileo, due in part to his artistic training, and his knowledge of chiaroscuro, had understood the pattern of light and shadow were in fact topographical markers. While not being the only one to observe the moon through a telescope. Galileo was the first to deduce the cause of the uneven waning as light occlusion from lunar mountains and craters. In his study, he also made topographical charts, estimating the heights of the mountains. The moon was not what was not long thought to have been transluent and perfect sphere, as Aristotle claimed, and hardly the first planet, an internal pearl to magnificently ascend to the heaven as put forth by Dante. Galileo observed the Milky Way, previously believed to be nebulous, and found it to be a multitude of stars packed so densely that they appeared from Earth to be clouds. He located many other stars too distant to be visible with the naked eye, He observed the double star Mizar in Ursa Major in the year 1617. In The Starry Messenger, Galileo reported that stars appeared as mere blazes of light, essentially unaltered in appearance by the telescope, and contrasted them to planets, which the telescope revealed to be disks. But shortly thereafter, in his letters on sunspots, He reported that the telescope revealed the shapes of both stars and planets to be quite round. From that point forward, he continued to report that telescopes showed the roundness of stars and that stars seen through the telescope measured a few seconds of arc in diameter. He also devised a method for measuring the apparent size of a star without a telescope. As described in his dialogue concerning two chief world systems, His method was to hang a thin rope in his line of sight to the star and measure the maximum distance from which it would wholly obscure the star. From this measurement of distance and with the width of the rope, he could calculate the angle subtended by the star at his viewing point. In his dialogue, he reported that he had found the apparent diameter of a star of first magnitude to be no more than five arcseconds, and that one of sixth magnitude to be five-sixths of an arcsecond. Like most astronomers of his day, Galileo did not recognize that the apparent size of stars that he measured were superiors, caused by diffraction and atmospheric distortion, and did not represent the true size of stars. However, Galileo's values were much smaller than previous estimates, of the apparent sizes of the brightest stars, such as those made by Tycho Brahe, and enabled Galileo to counter anti-Copernican arguments, such as those made by Tycho, that these stars would have to be absurdly large for their annual parallaxes to be undetectable. Others astronomers, such as Simon Marius, Giovanni Bastia, Riccoli, and Martinus Hortensius, Made similar measurements of the stars, and Marius and Riccoli concluded that the smaller sizes were not small enough to answer Tycho's argument. Galileo made a number of contributions to what is now known as engineering, a distinct form, pure physics. This is not the same distinction made by Aristotle who would have considered all Galileo's physics as techni or useful knowledge as opposed to episteme or philosophical investigation into the causes of things. Between 1595 and 1598 Galileo devised and proved a geometric and military compass suitable for use by gunners and surveyors. This expanded on earlier instruments designed by Niccolo Tartugula and Giobadaldi del Monte. For gunners, it offered, in addition to a new and safer way of elevating canyons accurately, a way of quickly computing in the charge of a gunpowder for cannonballs of different sizes and materials. As a geometric instrument, it enabled the construction of any regular polygon, computated of the area of any polygon or circular sector, and a variety of other calculations. Under Galileo's direction, instrument maker Mark Antonio Mazzellini produced more than a hundred of these compasses, which Galileo sold, with, along with an instruction manual he wrote, for 50 lire and offered a course of instruction in the use of the compass for 120 lire. Galileo evidently was an entrepreneur as well. In about the year 1593, Galileo constructed a thermometer using the expansion and contraction of air in a bulb to move water in an attached tube. In 1609, Galileo was along with Englishman Thomas Harriot and others the first to use a refracting telescope as an instrument to observe stars, planets, and moons. The name telescope was coined for Galileo's instrument by a Greek mathematician, Giovanni de Mencini, at a banquet held in 1611 by Prince Federico Sisi, to make Galileo a member of his Academia de Lisi. The name was derived from the Greek tele for far and scopin to look or see. In the year 1610, Galileo used a telescope at close range to magnify the parts of insects. By 1624, Galileo had used a compound microscope. He gave one of these instruments to Cardinal Zollerin in May of that year for presentation to the Duke of Brevaria, And in September, he sent another to Prince Sessi. The Linceans played a role again in naming the microscope a year later when fellow Academy member Giovanni Faber coined the word for Galileo's invention from the Greek words micron meaning small and scopin meaning to look at or see. The word was meant to be analogous with telescope. Illustrations of insects made using one of Galileo's microscopes and published in 1625 appear to have been the first clear documentation of the use of a compound microscope. In 1612, having determined the orbital period of the Jupiter satellites, Galileo proposed that with sufficiently accurate knowledge of their orbits, one could use their positions as a universal clock, and this would make possible the determination of longitude. He worked on this problem from time to time during the remainder of his life. But the practical problems were severe, the method was first successfully applied by Giovanni Domenici Cassini in the year 1681 and was later used extensively for large land surveys. This method, for example, was used to survey France and later by Zebulon Pike in the Midwest United States in 1806. For sea navigation, where delicate telescope observations were more difficult, The longitude problem eventually required development of a practical portable marine chronometer such as that of John Harrison. Later in life, when totally blind, Galileo designed an escarpment mechanism for a pendulum clock called Galileo's escarpment. Although no clock using this was built until after the first fully operational pendulum clock pendulum clock was made by Christian Huygens in the 1650s. Galileo's theoretical and experimental work on the motions of bodies, along with the largely independent work of Kepler and Rene Descartes, was a precursor of the classical mechanics developed by Sir Isaac Newton Your journey is now ending You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet.